0: Welcome, everybody, to the Gameology Podcast. This is episode number six. We are talking all about boss battles. I am your host, Matt, from the 90s Kid YouTube channel, and I am here with Atila. Hello there. Atila,
1: what are we talking about with boss battles? So, um, just talking about boss battles in games, and I have a... I'm going to break these down into sort of three separate categories here, because we're going to be talking about mini-bosses, we're going to be talking about boss, like temple bosses, and then we're going to be talking about end-bosses. Okay. Can you guess why I've uh, broken them up into those three categories?
0: Well, it does give the show a nice flow, much like bosses do in a game, and they are very different. And that's all I
1: got. What is okay. it, teacher? So let's uh, let's dive right in with mini bosses. So these are the like sort of small midpoint type bosses that uh, I'm going to be talking a lot about. Um, the games that I'm most familiar with um, encountering bosses in, like. Uh, Legend of Zelda or Mario when I'm talking about these kinds of bosses. Um, so let's look at Legend of Zelda. They have the sort of famous formula of get into a temple, you fight the mini-boss, you get an item from them, then you fight the sort of temple-boss. And then all this is to say that end-bosses are not the like end-of-temple-bosses, but like the last boss in a game. So when you're fighting the mini-boss, that is usually... For some key point of progression. Um, it's a small uh, mini climax on the sort of rising action of a given area or temple. You have uh, a reward that you receive from this mini boss, either being a means of progressing forward to the like latter half of the area, or in the case of a lot of Legend of Zola games, you'll get a new item that is unique to that temple and gives the player some new ability. And after that point, the rest of the temple is all about using that new item and mastering it so that when you get to the temple boss that is your sort of final test at that point point. and the, um, the only other thing I really had to mention about mini bosses is the idea that these are the kinds of big enemies that if you encounter them early enough in the game they might actually just show up as just regular enemies that you'll have to fight later in the game just because they they might present a big threat to the game, uh, to the player early in the game, but that once you get into the sort of later phases of the game, you either have better weapons or equipment, and they're no longer as difficult to deal with.
0: Hmm. You know, a lot of when when I was thinking about bosses, it reminds me a lot of like school curriculum, and it reminds me a lot of tests, and that bosses are these gatekeepers um, for the knowledge. So... A mini boss and and most bosses they should require you to take all the skills you've been learning and and using. Whether it's like to say Mario for example, mm-hmm. it's like avoiding pits means you have to be good at say jumping and dodging obstacles and then avoiding enemies that are moving around as well. Now a boss combines both of those. Maybe there'll be pits on the harder bosses, but you're really jumping and avoiding this. You're using all the mechanics you have. And I think a great mini-boss should give you a checkpoint on that. And they say, before you can go any further, you need to be able to beat this guy. Because before you can beat him, you're going to need these skills. Or mm-hmm. like in Zelda, they perfectly handle it with an item and letting you master that on your way
1: to the next phase. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, obviously, in real life, people hate taking tests. And it's one of those things where they've there's been like you know, analysis done of like whether or not tests are actually an effective way of measuring a person's, um, you know, competency with a given skill. Or if they just Um, measure how good you are at taking tests. Yeah, exactly. And, and like, you know, math tests being the classic example of like, do a math test without a calculator. It's like, I'm going to have a calculator every other day of my life. Why do I need to like demonstrate that I can do this in this isolated, limited amount of time in this stressful environment? Um... I'm not going to go out on record and say that tests are completely worthless, but no, I can at least say that I did not enjoy taking tests as a kid. And I don't think there are many people who do. But, you know, um, thinking about math, I think math is a fantastic example for games because math is built
0: on layers. So mm-hmm. you need to prove that you've learned how to do addition before you can learn the next phase so that you can do more complex algorithms that require addition as well
1: as, say, multiplication.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and I, I it's... Like in the example of a in a game, you have like uh, in Legend of Zelda when you go to face and confront the temple boss, you've been given an item and the temple has been slowly slowly teaching you how to use that item. Um, If it's like the boomerang, you're learning how to like target multiple things and then you let the boomerang fly, cut down a bunch of vines or whatever, and then you get up to the final boss, which surprise surprise has like a whole bunch of vine like things that you need to cut down to make them vulnerable, and then you go in for the sort of the beat down on the boss. And one thing that you'll often see with these sort of mid-temple like temple boss um, kind of characters is the concept of having to hit them on three separate occasions. And that's something that... It's a, it's a pattern that comes up mostly in Mario games, right? Like, you, you sort of know, I've hit this guy three times, that's it, I've won. And... Um, Again, I'm gonna. Do you have any guess as to why that might be? Any intuitive feeling? The rule of three. Mm-hmm. I think when I think of
0: the rule of three, it, it, it's it's a great way to tell a story. Mm-hmm. It's it's like the setup, and then the build, and then sort of the big payoff and then the big climax. I think that. Three is three is enough hits that you didn't get lucky and just hit them once. Yeah, exactly. But if you had to take them down... I was playing a um, a boss character in uh, Destiny. It was actually a mid-level boss with my cousin the other night. Mm-hmm. And this, it was a spider tank, and it just took forever. And there was no music because it wasn't the final boss, and it was tedious. It yeah. was like, I understand that a boss battle should be long enough. In Dark Souls, I think, is a great example in Bloodborne mm-hmm. in that... You, they, they give them enough of a life bar so that you can't just get lucky, mm-hmm. and that you have to test your metal, and that you can't just use some power ups because those will eventually wear down, and you have to be able to stay cool under a lot of pressure. But there is a fine line with that, and I think the rule of three is great for that. Obviously, Dark Souls is going to be more than that, but it's three is is a nice solid. That's enough, but to avoid the evil of all video
1: games, tedium in my day job where I teach kids how to make uh, video games, uh, among other things, like Lego robots and animations, um, they want to create these bosses in their games where they say, like, oh, I want to have to hit him, like, 100 times or 10 times. And I'm just like, um, let's try, like, 5 or 4, and we'll see how that feels. And I can usually, like, talk them down from the edge, you know, because kids don't necessarily have the same sort of intuitive sense that you would over a number of times. Like, I'm, I I know that when I created um, some of the bosses in my games that I had this same kind of idea where I would make it so you had to hit the boss, like, ten times, and it just made it incredibly difficult to actually get past. Um, like, for instance, uh, one of my early games called Robo's World, the Blue Light Rocks, the final boss you have to hit ten times, and it's brutal for a lot of the kids when they try to play my game at the camp um they just they have a really rough time of it because they it i made it really difficult and if i sort of know now what i knew then i definitely wouldn't be making these encounters that difficult um but yeah as, as you were sort of mentioning the reason that you have this kind of three hits is because you know first time the player has you know Manage to hit the boss in some way and then the the sort of the second hit is really just like okay prove it wasn't a fluke and after that point that 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 third hit after the boss has taken the second hit they usually go into some kind of enraged state right Mm -hmm. yeah they'll they'll either like change up their attack pattern they'll attack with more ferocity um they'll start going counterclockwise to the movement path they were following before something will change Something about the environment in which you're having the fight will be different. And the game is now saying, like, okay, you know what you're doing. You know what this guy's vulnerabilities are. Prove that you can still go in and land one final hit on him to really take him out for good.
0: I think you could even have... Like, three is a nice round number, and I think it makes a lot of sense for a game like Mario where it's one big landing on its head.
1: Yeah, And And it's just, uh, I want to clarify that I don't think that this sort of like rule of three is the golden rule. It's Mm -hmm. it's something that works well for Mario um, and something that obviously doesn't work well for Dark Souls. It's just an example of like the way you should be thinking about these kind of things. You should be thinking about like the first stage of the fight, the second stage of the fight, and then the sort of enraged stage of the fight. Because that does provide... A sort of a really in- interesting encounter for the player. Yeah, it
0: was when you mentioned your your last boss that had uh, the the ten the ten hits. I was thinking, what? How could you actually make this more interesting? And if and like you said, yeah, if the environment was changing, if the stakes were rising, if the music was up, you, and you also look at how how much what's the ratio of how much health a player is losing in relation to every hit so say after every hit they're like they're successfully able to hit the boss once and they lose say five percent of their health so if if they were just using lots of health potions mm-hmm. or whatever they're not getting through it perfectly and you're not getting through it unscathed in a lot of games you don't and mario himself he has like a role of a, a rule of two or whatever depending on which game you're playing so it's if I think that by drawing it out in a game like Dark Souls, you are really wearing the player down in that if the only way you were going to get through this was by taking a lot of damage and dishing it out, mm-hmm. we're going to test that ratio yeah. and make you improve that ratio so that you can get through relatively unscathed. And even even if it is like not three hits, but say three really good Full out attacks, like three phases of you getting through it, but I see what you mean it's like it's it's you're telling a story with the with the boss with this whole fight, and I think the boss should be um the boss is like an interesting embodiment of the game, whereas ma- a Mario level may be difficult, but it's really not that memorable when you think about the different platforms you jumped over. maybe some that stump you for a while might be memorable, but for the most part, you kind of remember the theme and the music of the level and the overall feel, but the boss character, if done well, should to take all those challenges, but give you someone you can put all of your uh, your memory into, your frustration, if they keep beating you down, Lemmy Koopa, whatever. Um, Dark Souls especially, just these bosses that have personality, and that's what you
1: end up, that's what you remember the most, because you're remembering these highlights, these peaks. Yeah, you're putting a face to a name. You've got these, like, iconic moments in the game where it's like, oh my god, that was such an epic challenge, or oh my gosh, that encounter was so spectacular. And I think that's uh, it's a good opportunity to mention that not all bosses need to be characters. Not all bosses need to be, like, a big guy with a lot of health and a lot of attack power. Um, one great example is uh, in the Halo franchise. Are you familiar with... Uh... I've played Halo 1. Okay. Do you remember the Warthog run at the end? Yes. Yeah. It's a fantastically memorable experience, and it's not a boss battle, it's just this like culminating experience and they they sort of did it again in halo 3 um you're escaping the exploding and collapsing superstructure of one of the halos and i remember being at my friend's house um having like played nothing but nintendo games my whole life and he shows me this awesome thing that is halo 3 and we get to the end and there's this encounter with a sort of long time series villain um known as 343 Guilty Spark, and he's a small-ish mechanical entity who is an antagonist to the player. And you get into a sort of boss battle with him, like, okay, that's what I was expecting. And then you kill him, and he's not too difficult. And I was like, what? What's going on? And then the game kept going, and I was like, what is this? I don't understand. Um, cause I, I just never seen that kind of experiential take on a final encounter to a game before, but it was really memorable and it was a fantastic way to sort of cap out the experience and not something that could have otherwise just been a cutscene. Absolutely.
0: And you know, I'm glad you brought that up cause I
1: was just thinking about if we,
0: if we move this away from more of the traditional phrase, I mean, even look at the word boss. Yeah. It is such a literal it's almost like a a word gamers just came up with. Like, oh, he's the boss. He's He's he's, the one in charge. Yeah, he's bigger than everybody. He's like them, but stronger and tougher and makes Mm -hmm. more money. Now, can you have boss battles in more of a narrative game and like you were saying with them, it's it doesn't necessarily have to be a big character. It can just be, as long as it's a checkpoint in the game, it's almost like the end of a chapter. Mm-hmm. It, it can provide closure. You could be playing a puzzle game that has a very difficult puzzle that sums up everything you were working on. If it was more of a, um, a narrative experience, like her story, a walking simulator, I don't like to use that term because mm-hmm. I, in a disrespectful way at all. But yeah. it's you're just providing people in an experience with highs and lows and allowing them to just rest a little bit, build up the tension, and then release. Like jazz people say for solos, build up the tension, release It It is a great way to approach a lot of things in all-media
1: storytelling and gamer experiences. Yeah, and then if we were to sort of move on, like talking about the traditional end boss experiences, these are the guys who have just like a ton of health, and you can expect like you're going to be wailing on these guys for a while. And in fact, a lot of games will make a point of warning you, saying like, Hey, uh, you should probably go like stack up on health potions. Like, we're gonna go to this zone and fight this guy, and we can't turn back. Like, it's it's interesting that a lot of games will like prompt you in that way and say like, okay, yeah. look, we know we told you this is the final boss, but just think about that for a second. Final boss. You know all those items you've been hoarding? Use them now. This is it. Don't worry about saving that like super rare potion for anything because this is it. There is no after. Yeah, that's a very like t- uh, typical JRPG trope of they let you know, is there anything else you want to do? Yeah, any other side quests you want to complete, anything else in the world that you need to bring closure to before you tackle this one final encounter. Which is also hilarious
0: because if the whole point of the story is that we're rushing to beat this guy before he takes over the world, but by the way, if you
1: want to go like, breed some chocobos... Now's a good time to do it. Yeah, it was actually something that I had a bit of an issue with when I'm as I'm playing through the Mass Effect, um, specifically the third game, because like Earth is under attack and people are dying. But it's like, oh, but let me just go do this loyalty quest real quick, or let me just uh, go grab this artifact for this guy. It's 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 important. Trust me. It, It it felt better in the first Mass Effect game because within the lore of the game, all the like conversations, like the hours of conversations that I'm having with my companions on board the ship just sort of felt like, oh, it's okay, I'm having these between um, missions. But in the third game, it's like, well, no, I'm not piloting the ship. I really should be getting things done. But you you just can't help but get that sort of sense of completion out of the world. Um, Anyway, when you do finally get to these big final bosses, um, they are the kind of thing that can be a bit of a make or break for some people. Like I, I know a couple of people who got to... The final boss in one of the uh, Paper Mario, the Thousand Year Door, and they just couldn't beat it. I know that I I can't think of which game in particular off the top of my head, but I know there's definitely been some final encounters in the game where I'm just like, yeah, it's been real, but I uh, I can't, I can't, it's it's too much of an ask. Yeah, and that's, that's the
0: game's, it's part of the game's job, like games are interesting because you're you're requiring the player to play along in a way and develop their skills along with you. Mm-hmm. And pacing that is a really interesting part of it. I mean, it's in a JRPG where you're just grinding so that your players get up to the point where even if you are a complete idiot strategically, you're going to be able to eventually steamroll people. It can, that's actually a pretty nice design. But really, you're also planning so that the player has um, amassed the amount, not just potions or experience mm-hmm. points but actual skill yeah. and an understanding and that's why you look at it like like an academic test there's so many parallels because you're hoping that the other bosses and the other levels have prepared them for this final final challenge i i personally really enjoy a final boss battle that maybe does take a few a few um times to get through even with something like final fantasy 13 there were a few battles that weren't even bosses just maybe like checkpoints mid bosses and I had to stop and rethink my strategy, and those were memorable. And one of the few times I really enjoyed that game. So, it's. I, I I don't think you want them to be too easy. I think that's where you can mess them up. I think that's when boss battles are, are done wrong. Is when it can be a little too easy. Although you had said with Halo, you actually enjoyed um,
1: that sort of like a different uh, different flavor with it because they really played with your expectations. Yeah, just especially because I was sort of coming off the like Nintendo sort of formula of like legend of zelda games where it's like okay you get to the end of the game and there's a boss and like it it wouldn't have made sense for the encounter to be anything more than it was within the lore of the game so i, I appreciate that they didn't like mess with players expectations in a sort of unbelievable sort of way in that in that sort of sense um but when you do look at your like legend of zelda type end boss or even um some of the kirby games of late they've just had, like, a ridiculous number of phases to them. You know what I mean? Like, they, you you, you fight a boss, and then it's like, okay, now you fight me on horseback. And then you, you fight him, you beat him down, it's like, okay, now you fight me mano a mano. And it's like, okay, now you fight me in my beast form. And just all these kind of things that I, I'm listing boss battles from the uh, Ganondorf in Twilight Princess, by the way. Um, and all those are interesting because a lot of those individual moments follow the sort of uh, like rule of three hits because like when you're fighting him in the beast form you have to hit him three times when you're fighting him on horseback you have to hit him three times and then it's really just when you get down to this sort of like mono mono sword clash kind of moment that's when you do just have to sort of wail on him until he um you get into like one final clash and you stab him and he kind of staggers around and doesn't die right away it's kind of awkward but um yeah, like in Kirby games as well. You just have so many phases to the boss battle like it almost gets tiresome honestly. We don't want to have tedium. We don't want to be bored, and that is the and that's the thin line of that. Yeah, um and just really uh, since we've like talked about these sort of three sort of primary um bosses that you would encounter in a game, um I think we may as well mention like uh, one last thing before we go, the idea of finding like secret bosses in a game. Where, you know, as much as the game might have said, like, oh, this is the, ba- the big, like, final encounter, it's like, actually, if you, like, dig down, there's something else. There's something even more difficult, perhaps, than the final, final boss. And that's something you came across in uh, Paper Mario. They had this pit of 100 trials, and it's an entirely separate challenge to the final boss of the game. But if you dig all the way down through these 100 layers, you get to this incredibly difficult boss, which I hadn't tackled for years after beating the game. Um, it was like eight years between when I completed the game, between when I actually went back into one of my files, went all the way down through the pit of 100 trials and beat that. Have you ever had that experience in a game, finding like a secret pause?
0: Um, like Final Fantasy games, they traditionally keep this uh, the secret weapons, like a mm-hmm. Final Fantasy seven specifically having like a ruby weapon, an emerald weapon um, layered out. There was... You know, I haven't found, I haven't come across any that like really surprised me. Mm -hmm. Um, But I definitely, I do appreciate that a game, it's almost like a new game plus in a way, but it's just, they're like, all right, this is the story. The story doesn't need to be dragged out too long, but we know that the gameplay might last longer than the story. So it's, it's a really nice, it's a really nice thing for a developer to put into a game that allows somebody to play on and play on without extending the story into just the point where it gets stretched too thin and it becomes just tedious. So people can still see the ending and have that and, and yeah. finalize, but still have something else to do.
1: Yeah, it, it's almost like the if the bosses, if the core bosses of the game, the end boss of the game was to really test and like prove, okay, you've conquered this experience, then the secret boss is like, oh, uh, maybe just a little bit of extra credit. And it, it's something that you feel extra satisfied for because like you know in the back of your mind, it's like, okay, this is something that the developers didn't necessarily expect me to be prepared for. They knew that I would have to grind and bring my A game to this. And that, that's what made those sort of like secret bosses such a um, really like memorable experience. When I first beat um, Bonetail and Paper Mario, I was like, I made a post on Facebook saying to my friend who bought the game for me originally, it's like, oh, you bought me this game eight years ago and I finally just beat the like secret boss. And this is such an awesome moment for me. They provide that personality and they provide that uh, character
0: to what is essentially an ordered or random amount of challenges and a story. So that is going to do it for this episode, all about boss battles. You can tune in every week. iTunes, it's called Gameology. Obviously, you found this podcast somehow, but if you'd like to watch a video version of it, it's going to be on Attila's uh, website, Blue Screen Productions.
1: Yeah, I'll be uploading the, or I'll be sharing the links to the uploads of the videos that you post on a weekly basis, right. as well as my extended thoughts on every week, um, the, the topics that we're talking about on the show. Yeah. And if you want to follow me on Twitter, you can find me at Blue Screen Pro, and for you, I'm GameThinkTalk on Twitter and GameThinkTalk at gmail.com. The videos are
0: at a uh, 90s kid under YouTube. You can, uh, yeah, so audio, video, however you like to take it. We'll see you next time.